I'll just point it out now, in case any of you guys notice that it looks like my right knee has gained a couple pounds. Uh, it's because there's a brace on it. I sprained my knee playing soccer last Monday. Uh, so I've been trying to rest it. And so, yeah, there's a brace on my knee. Um, which is actually funny because I, I don't get injured very easily. So uh, playing sports is always a hazardous business, but it's definitely worth it for the infrequent injuries. It's like it's the risk-reward thing, right? It's a lot of fun. And uh, I found that when you're short, you generally don't get injured as much because there's less torque on your muscles and bones. So I was like, wow, like I'm like, when you're 5'7", you're not supposed to get injured playing soccer. But anyways, it happens. I turned 30 and my body's falling apart rather immediately. Um, anyways, that's what's new with me. Um, okay, I wanted to, uh, we're actually going to not do a start on the series I mentioned last time because uh, I was working on this little talk for something else. I thought it would actually be really good to share here. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open to 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16, the famous one. 1 John 3.16, which uh, really deserves to be equally well known, uh, even though it is lesser known. Uh, written by the same author, the Apostle John. Uh, the one Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. We're going to be looking at verses 16, 17, and 18. And uh, this works pretty perfectly. We're going to have one point for each verse. One point for each verse. And we're going to be talking about... I want to talk to you guys about the mission of love. The mission of love. Uh, we can start off with this question. A question posed in the early 90s by uh, something of a one-hit wonder band called Hadaway. Uh, the question in the song is, what is love? Uh, the song probably made most popular by a particular Saturday Night Live sketch. But anyways, this question, what is love, is uh, actually a pretty important question. And uh, how we answer this question is fairly significant because uh, if we misunderstand love, uh, we misunderstand God, because God is love, and we misunderstand what God wants of us, uh, which are the two great commandments, to love God and to love one another. So we need to get this idea of love right. And we have a picture of love in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. And it reads this. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That's speaking of Christ. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Because uh, we know that our culture gets love wrong. We often uh, misconstrue what love is. Uh, love is not just an emotion, a feeling that comes and goes. Love's not just enjoyment when I'm getting uh, a certain delight or pleasure from something. That's not what is, uh, confines love. Uh, love also is not just some spontaneous and controllable uh, urge that comes and goes. Uh, it's more than that. Uh, love is also, um, it's not whatever we call love. And this is important for us to remember in our culture today because um, I was walking around the other day with my wife and there's this like, some houses have these signs that kind of have all these slogans on them and one of the parts of the sign slogan is just love is love. And so we were talking about that. It's like, love is love. Like, can you be any less specific? Uh, love is love. Um, that's like saying one equals one. Um, but just this idea how anything that people say, well, this is love, therefore you need to accept it. Because we all know love is good, right? But we can't just call love whatever we want to call love. Uh, love has a definition. Love uh, is constrained by, first of all, love is what God is. God is love, the Bible tells us. So anything that does not reflect God's character, what God is like cannot properly be called love because God is the definition of love. 
Uh, but not only is God the definition of love, therefore God, when he wants us to love, he tells us how to do it, which is nothing less than him telling us how to be like him. And so if we want to be loving as God is loving, we then are obligated to walk in the way and definition of love that God has assigned to us. He's the only one that has the right to truly tell us what it is that equals love. What's on the other side of that equation? Love equals. Really, love equals keeping God's commands, which are summed up in love, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. So I want us to see three things about love. We can think of love even as like a mission. So I'll call this the mission of love. That's what we could entitle this, the mission of love. Uh, because love is not... Um, we often think of love as optional. Like, I did a loving thing today, or I did a kind thing. Like, God should be really proud of me because I went above and beyond my duty, and I did something extra nice for someone. Uh, love is actually not uh, an option in that way. Romans 13 says that we actually have a debt of love we owe people. We actually owe people our love. So actually to withhold love is actually being a robber. It's like being a thief. We owe love, and so we have a mission, and God's mission for us in this world is to love. It's to love God with our worship. It's to love our neighbor by doing good deeds and reflecting our loving God into this world. We have a mission of love. And if you are to accept this mission, then the three things these verses tell us is that you need to have a willingness to sacrifice, a readiness to respond, and a conviction to act. That's what love takes. It takes a willingness to sacrifice a readiness to respond, and a conviction to act. So let's look at verse 16 here. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So this is saying, here first of all is the example of love. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. And we know that Christ didn't lay down his life for us because we were such great people who deserved to be sacrificed for. Romans 5.1 says that, or 5.8, says that God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says, and it goes on saying, you know, we'll maybe, we could maybe imagine someone dying for a good person, but to die for a sinner, and Christ died for us while we were his enemies, actually hostile to God, opposed to God. Jesus came to his own and they rejected him. They despised him. And we would have done the same. But he died for us when, while, when we were still enemies. He laid down his life to make his enemies his friends. And earlier in this chapter, it said, see what kind of love the fathers lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. To be made children of God through Christ's sacrifice. But further, Christ's love for us was not just a generic love. It's a personal love. And this is what uh, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20, he says, I live this life by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we can think of God loves us now, but to think, actually, Christ loved me. Do you ever doubt that God loves you, that Christ loves you? It's, Paul says, he loved me. That It's proven in the past. There, if I ever doubt it, I just go back to the picture of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross Bearing not only uh, the suffering that people could inflict on him, but bearing the wrath of God. Being forsaken of the Father. A, a, a union broken, not for eternity, but yet in time, for us. The ultimate picture of love is laying down your life for another. 
And this is the example that we ought to follow. But if we're to follow it, we need to know it. And so I even asked you to think about it this morning. Do you know the love of Christ that laid down his life for you? Have you experienced that in your heart to have what Romans 5 says, the Holy Spirit sheds abroad the love of God in the heart? And if you don't, reflect on the fact that Christ who had all glory, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he became low and he became a servant. He didn't need to take on a human body, but Christ took on a body that could feel pain. He took on a body that could suffer. And he suffered on the cross. Hebrews 5 says that he had loud cries and groans and tears to God the Father. And that is so that sinners like you and I could become children, sons and daughters of the most loving, perfect Heavenly Father. With Christ, as it were, our elder brother, a part of the family of God. You need to know the love of Jesus. And this love is so deep. And so vast and so wide, it's incomprehensible. Ephesians 3 says, we, we pray that we would know a love that passes knowledge and be filled with the fullness of God. We know this love before we can really understand what it is to reflect this love. But if you've known it, if you've tasted of the love of Christ, this call is that says, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This isn't an option, it says ought. You ought to lay down your life. And this doesn't necessarily mean physically dying for someone else. We lay down our lives in all sorts of ways. We lay down our preferences. We lay down, as it were, we'll sacrifice our energy for the sake of someone. We'll sacrifice our time for the sake of someone else. We could sacrifice our resources or finances, whatever it may be, for the sake of someone else. Because the essence is sacrifice. And love, we want love to always feel good. But sometimes to truly love like God, it means to be willing to sacrifice. And so when you think about, if you're trying to be like God and to love others, does love ever cost you anything? Do you ever sacrifice in order to show God's love to someone else? To sacrifice to show God's love. Um, I think of some everyday examples. Um, it might be something like doing chores without being asked. You, get, you actually sacrifice a bit of your time and energy to help out around the house, not because someone told you you had to do it, but because you wanted to show love to your family, because you wanted to um, show love to whoever regularly takes out the trash or whoever was on schedule to do the dishes, and you decide to do it to free up someone else. It's just a small act of sacrificial love. Um, or the sacrifice of sacrificing spending time with your own friends to be a friend to someone who's maybe lonely, someone who needs a friend. That's a sacrifice. Or bringing someone into your group. You maybe sacrifice the amount of inside jokes and laughs you can have to, to bring someone in and bring them along to be part of your community. Uh, this, this might look like uh, taking some of your time in your evening to spend time with a younger brother or sister, to play a board game with them, and to have them delight in your company and, set, and sacrificing whatever you wanted to watch or do or message for someone else. This is what it looks like every day to love sacrificially. Uh, this might look like, and I, I recommend, uh, the idea of volunteering at your church. Your church probably has numerous opportunities and ways to serve. You're not too young to be involved. And I actually think it'll be a great boon to your life to learn the sacrifice of serving <laughs> Um, in these sorts of functions. 
Uh, if this summer, I'd highly recommend, if your church runs a sort of vacation Bible school program for a week in the summer, or however they do it, I really encourage you to take some of your time this summer, when you could be doing anything else, serve in your church's vacation Bible school. It's basically a missions trip without the fun and flash of getting to go somewhere foreign. So if you really want to serve people, be a part of your church's vacation Bible school this summer. Uh, That's one thing I want to encourage you guys for. The example of love, it takes a willingness to sacrifice. Secondly, verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? This is an illustration. He's saying, here's what it it might look like. It's It's a readiness to respond. So it says, you have a brother, so another believer, someone who has a need. You notice that need. Oh, they have a need. I have the capabilities of meeting that need, therefore I will meet that need. These are things that we just notice as we go about our day, as you see someone who looks sad, as you see someone who seems discouraged, someone who needs an encouraging word. You see a need and you think, I could give an encouraging word. I could tell them, hey, whatever you're going through, that sucks, but I know you'll get through it. I can do that. And so I will meet that need. And so love takes a readiness to respond. That when we see things and notice them, it says, the one who doesn't know God's love closes his heart. How often and easily do we close our hearts? You notice that the trash can is overflowing and you close your heart and say, nope, it's someone else's problem. I'm not going to empty it. These little things, but they actually show... And you think of really, if you're like me, you realize how lazy you are in these things. Uh, The laziness and unwillingness to love that is taking your dirty dishes and just putting them on the counter instead of straight into the dishwasher. It literally takes five more seconds and it serves someone else, but yet we don't want to just do that extra five seconds of putting it into the dishwasher from the counter. You know what I'm talking about? We are terrible at having an open heart in order to go the extra step to love others. So keep your eyes open for opportunities. And you really need to see these as opportunities to be involved in a mission of love to God. Okay, thirdly, little children, let us love, or let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He starts off calling us little kids, God's kids, because we have a father to imitate. We have Christ, our older brother, who we're called to imitate. And he says, don't love in just talk, you know, talk is cheap. It's easy for us to notice and talk amongst ourselves like, oh, that, that person looks really lonely. Oh, that, that's, really, that's really crummy for them. Oh, I feel really bad for them. And you get the cred of being the person who notices um, the needs in the community. But if you're actually not willing to act on it, that's just talk to inflate yourself in a sense, not to actually help. And so the third thing we learned here is that there's a conviction to act. Because true love, true love like Christ is tangible. It it results in actually doing things. And so to be a person that actually has the courage and conviction to step out of your comfort zone, to sacrifice some of your energy, some of your emotions, some of your time for the sake of someone else, else as a tangible picture of love, reflecting the love Jesus Christ had for us. And to truly embark on this mission of love that Jesus has for us is going to be messy. Uh, It's going to complicate your life a little bit. It's going to make it so that you don't get to do every single thing you want to do. Uh, There's a proverb that talks about this in work. It says, where there's no oxen, the manger is clean, but much uh, crops come by the strength of an ox. What he's saying is like, if you don't ever, if, if you don't want a mess to clean up, don't buy an ox. You won't have to clean up after them, but you're not going to 
have much productive value. You're, you're not going to be really engaged in something meaningful. But if you want to do something meaningful and get work done for the kingdom of God, it says you're going to have to bring in something you're going to have to clean up after. And so this is saying if you want to be involved in a mission that's bigger than your own entertainment, if you want to be involved in something in your life that's bigger and more deeply meaningful than just passively receiving whatever thing you think will um, interest you, to be involved in the mission of love will involve sacrifice and adding some complication to your life, but it will be deeply satisfying and deeply meaningful and will add something to your life that you didn't know it would. And if you're a person who will be committed to get involved in this mission of love, you're going to be miles ahead of where I was in high school when I was just thinking about myself. I was only worried about how can I overcome my own sins, my own problems. But to go beyond and actually to have extra to share with others, that's a beautiful, wonderful, godly, Christ-like thing. And in conclusion, um, this is hard. This task is beyond us. This mission is more than our strength. And that's why Jesus, he didn't just lay down his life, but he ascended. And when he ascended on high, he gave gifts and he gave the Holy Spirit. And he's given us of his own spirit to equip us with the power that we need to love with a supernatural love that's more than you or I have on our own. And more than that, for when we fail, for when we're selfish and we don't love as we ought, which is every day we fail in the mission of love, we can remember that he did lay down his life for us. He sacrificed in love for us, and that loving sacrifice covers all our lack of love. And so it's not like God's seeing us and saying, you don't love, you're out of the family. No, we're loved, we're accepted, and so we can go in freedom and pursue this mission of love, knowing that we're going to fail, knowing that we're going to be selfish, but we know that our Father loves and accepts us, and he wishes for us to partner with him in his work of transforming all things in the reign of love, that Christ would be all in all, that we would see love in our relationships, in our hearts. He loved us. He gave himself for us. How could we not give ourselves to love his body, to love his people? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have loved us so well in sending Christ to make enemies into your children. Lord, we want to look at that love and help these students today, Lord, to realize the love of Christ for them, the love of the Father, to have this plan of redemption, to pay for sin, to draw them in, to draw them close, that there is a throne of grace to go to. Lord, we thank you for your love, and we ask that we would be loving people, that we would love one another, that we would love our families, that we would love our friends, that we would love our churches and communities. Lord, make us to be people that overflow with love to all around us and that in partnering with you in the mission to love, that we would find that deeply, richly satisfying life for us in the Lord Jesus Christ that you have. Would you be with us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.